This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey everybody, this is Andrew. Uh, before you listen to episode number 36 of Cinema Fix, I thought I should go ahead and address a question that a lot of you probably have. If you're a fan of the show, you're probably wondering, hey, what happened to part two of episode 35? Where's your in-depth, spoiler-filled discussion of warm bodies? Well, we published part one, and I went to edit part two and realized that, unfortunately, there apparently was an unexpected technical bug while we were recording, and as a result, large chunks of the file were corrupted, and we were not able to fix the problem. So, unfortunately, there will be no spoiler-filled discussion of warm bodies. We recorded one, but there were some technical issues, and we were unable to save the file. It's it's really unfortunate because I actually thought it was a really good episode and a really, really good conversation. But anyways, when you've been podcasting as long as I have, you know that occasionally stuff happens that's outside your control and you end up losing entire episodes sometimes. Thankfully, this is the first time it's happened in a year and a half of running Film Geek Radio, and hopefully it will be the last. We are definitely taking measures to make sure it will not happen again. Uh, We think we figured out what the problem was. So, with luck, you will always have a part one and a part two of your Cinema Fix episodes from now on. Uh, But yeah, I just wanted to let you know what happened and apologize and let you know that if you're bummed out by the fact that you're not getting your regular two installments of Cinema Fix, don't worry, we've actually got a special bonus episode on the way. So hopefully that will make up for the loss of our Warm Bodies discussion. Anyways, I just wanted to explain what happened and assure you that we're going to make sure that it never happens again. Uh, So without further ado, here's episode number 36 of Cinema Fix. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. I'm super sick. Monica, you sound super sick. Would you like a pill? We can make this all go away. Give me all the pills right now, because I'm pretty miserable. (laughs) Well, I hope you feel better. Because you're sick, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Thank you. If you're new to Cinema Fix, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. And usually what we do is each week we release an episode in two parts. We release first a a spoiler-free episode, and then we have a spoiler-filled conversation that's a separate episode. But because you're sick, Monica, I think for your sake we're going to keep things brief And we're just going to really quickly give our overall thoughts on the movie and then talk spoilers just for for a little bit for the people who have seen it. But I'm hoping we won't won't run longer than 20 or 30 minutes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I can't even say okay. (laughs) I'm so not okay. Well, in case you couldn't guess, it's a little bit appropriate. This week we're going to be discussing side effects. 
You know what would have been really appropriate? Contagion. Oh, that would have been appropriate as well. Yes. <laughs> this is the new and supposedly final film from acclaimed director Steven Soderbergh and Monica. I'm not going to make you give the brief synopsis of the movie. Basically, it is a medical-slash-psychological thriller starring uh, Rooney Mara, who is depressed. Her husband, played by Channing Tatum, was recently released from prison, but she's clearly depressed, possibly suicidal. So her uh, psychiatrist, played by Jude Law, prescribes this new experimental drug, and there are some unexpected side effects. So that's it in a nutshell. The movie's a lot more than that. And Monica, you and I will talk about the different twists and turns this movie takes. But before that, here's a clip. They fired me. What? When? Today. That's why I have to make this thing with Emily work. I'm not letting another Allison Finn happen. That's why I'm fighting this time. I don't want to hear time. about Emily or Allison. But this is starting to make else. sense. No, it's not making sense. It doesn't make sense that you're sitting here doing this all day long. The case is over. The photographers are gone. Your partners are gone. The Delatrex thing is now gone. You're the only one that's still here. I just want to know what happened. All right, let's just give some real quick spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. Monica, did you like Side Effects? Would you recommend that people check it out? You know, we've talked about how recent movies are. And the fact that this is a well-crafted movie. And I think if you are a Soderbergh fan, you have to complete the collection. I I generally liked it. Uh, I had fun. I know a few people that I saw the movie with said that they kind of knew where it was going. But for me personally, I didn't. So it was nice. It wasn't gimmicky. It wasn't, you know, over the top like some of the other movies that we've been talking about on the show recently. It's mostly understated. And a lot of the plot is just told. It's just figured out. And reveals happen slowly but surely. So I thought it was really nice. And he doesn't oversaturate as much as he sometimes likes to. I really liked this movie as well. I'm not a huge Soderbergh fan. I think his filmography is a little bit hit and miss. Uh, it's okay, because he hates us critics. Right, right. But um, I, I actually like side effects quite a bit. I, I went into the movie knowing absolutely nothing at all. Yeah. I had seen the poster, and I knew Soderbergh directed it. I knew famous people. Hey, did you say Catherine Zeta-Jones in your, in, in your synopsis? I did not, yeah. It's Catherine Zeta-Jones is in this movie. She plays like a competing psychiatrist. Yes, she's great. In, the, in this movie. Everybody's great. Uh, but yeah, I went into the movie knowing absolutely nothing. I hadn't even seen a trailer. I just knew it had, I knew it had something to do with medicine. And I, I really got into it. I was uh, surprised by all of the twists that this movie takes. And there are many. And the first half of the movie feels like a completely different film from the second half of the movie. And this time, it that was good, right? Yes, that was very, very good. Usually we complain about these things. Right. And, and, and Soderbergh just does a really great job of constantly pulling the rug out from underneath 
the audience, I think. It is sort of like a puzzle where you're gradually trying to put all the pieces together and find out, okay, is this character lying? Is this what really happened? What are their true motivations? And at times, it's, it's a bit hard to follow, at least I found, because it's sort of like, wait, 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 what angle are they going for here? What are they trying to do? Is this really what it looks like on the surface? But if you stick with it, I don't think it's going to lose people. And by the end of the film, it does all come together, and the puzzles pieces do slide into place. Yeah. So overall, I liked it. I definitely recommend people check it out. I mean, as you mentioned, it hasn't been a really great past couple months for movies. Yeah, but I kind of felt like last year, Haywire was in the same sort of predicament. It's very much like made for grown-ups. It's not a kid's movie. There's no superheroes in it. There's no, what is it, like young fiction? I don't remember what it's called. Young adult fiction right. characters. There's not a book series behind it. It's not a brand or anything. It's really just a story. So props. It's it's refreshing to watch. Well, I, I want to go ahead and talk spoilers. So real quick, final words. Should people see side effects? Yes. I agree. They should see side effects. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, before we talk spoilers, because there's so many twists that I don't want to ruin things for, for anybody. So if you're listening and you have seen the film, go ahead and keep listening. If you haven't seen the film, go watch it. Then come back and listen to this uh, second part of our review of side effects, because uh, cause it, it really does have quite a few surprises in it. And the first surprise that I want to talk about, Monica, is the fact that the character we spend the first 20 30 35 minutes of the movie with is not the main character of the film yeah actually the the movie starts off as this character drama about this woman who's depressed and she's dealing with her husband and their relationship and and she's just trying to seek some medicine and get some help. Then the medicine starts having these strange side effects, and it looks like, oh no, this could be going into some strange psychological thriller territory. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of morphs into something else. And it turns out the, the character we really should be concerned about is Jude Law's character of her psychiatrist also isn't um i think her name is ann dowd yes ann dowd from compliance is is in this movie poor thing she went on this big old campaign for that movie but i'm glad she's getting work (laughs) i thought she was great in compliance oh she was great so i'm glad to see you know it worked out in the end Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm also realizing i'm kind of sounding like david carr at this point from the new york times (laughs) so that's that's kind of cool. Do you have a history of addiction that you've just now finally worked right your now, way through? My addiction is tea. I actually have two cups here, Andrew. Okay. I'm not even kidding you. I'm s- <laughs> and a packet of sepical. I'm gonna get through this. Do you have a pack of cigarettes you're smoking too? Maybe that's why your your voice is. Oh man, I can't even breathe on my own right now. We're not gonna add smoke up in there. <laughs> yeah, the movie is just super super twisty and. I like how you're not quite sure what genre is this movie. Is like 
there's a point in the movie where you're like, okay, is Jude Law going crazy? Is he just becoming yeah. obsessed? Is he reading too much into things? Is he paranoid? Is he going to start having to prescribe himself some medication? And and it just doesn't really let up until the end. You're just sort of on the edge of your seat trying to figure out what is really going on here. Is there this huge, massive conspiracy or is it all in these characters' heads? I also like that Soderbergh went in kind of like different directions with this. You could have just kept it at the people, but he also went a little bit into the whole medical community about this, how Jude Law's character is eventually ostracized for having this big issue and having this become a court case and having this become national news. And then there's also the whole fact of that blind study, which was kind of like, you know, sponsored by the the pharmaceutical company. I worked in a hospital before, and, like, pens, papers, uh, even prescription pads are fashioned by the pharmaceutical companies as supplies or gifts to the doctors in order to try out their drugs. We don't usually see that talked about in movies, and I kind of found it funny. Even if it wasn't specifically pointed out, it kind of adds to the whole shadiness of the movie, mm-hmm. like this is deals made over expensive lunches mm-hmm. that they're wooing doctors to try this on their patients. And that's really how it is. Right. And, and, and that's a, a recurring theme throughout Soderbergh's work, that idea and just that question of are people just disconnected from each other and is that why our relationships are dysfunctional or is there are there systemic mm. problems? Are there systemic issues that contribute to those more individual personal problems? And so, yeah, in side effects, he really does point out some of the messy legal, ethical, medical uh, issues, and 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 how they're all just kind of muddled together. And there's a really interesting conversation at one point where where Jude Law is asking, I think it's Jude Law, he's just, you know, posing the question, in a legal sense, can you have done something horrible but not be guilty if you were not conscious and therefore had no intent to do the thing? That was was the legal angle. Right. Like, what, what defines intent? What defines intent, right. And so there's just some really interesting issues that get brought up, and, and, and I like how that comes back to play at the end of the movie, because, it, you know, at the end of the day, Jude Law has... He, he's not a perfect character. No, and they go back into his shady path. Yeah, he's... He, too, has messed up with the patient. Right, he's, he's, he's made some mistakes he's you know he's definitely got some ethical issues but it was funny how they also brought that back up he's like even though this was years and years ago back at the beginning of his practice it still come back to haunt him right and then at the end of the film yes we find out that there was sort of this big conspiracy and he has managed to uncover it, and he, he's basically just going to screw over both Everybody. Catherine Zeta-Jones' character and Rooney Mara's character. But what ultimately happens to Rooney Mara's character is really dark. 
<laughs> like the thing, like what he ultimately does to her, where at the beginning it turns out she was just pretending to be depressed, and now by the end he's going to make sure through the medication he prescribed she will actually become psychologically really messed up. I think that's also another like sort of horror tale. Like, yes, it could, these people have so much control over us. Yes, this is what happens when the doctor decides. You know what? Instead of making you better, I think I'm going to make you sick. So I should double check that pharmacist at CVS who gave me this stuff because clearly, yes, yeah, check, check everything. Make sure that that really is Mucinex, and that uh, it, you, you never know what it could be. But yeah, he's definitely a, a shady character, and you, you know, at the end of the film. He's fully aware of what he's doing. He has intent. <laughs> like, yeah, that's intent. <laughs> he is definitely guilty of these horrible actions. Um, so, so I like how it all just sort of comes to a head in those uh, final scenes. One thing I, I do want to mention, I kind of like how Soderbergh pulled a Hitchcock. Uh, specifically, yeah. he pulled a Psycho and decided to kill off Channing Tatum <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> yeah. You know, you go into the movie thinking, oh, Channing Tatum, he was the star of Magic Mike, he's he's going to be this major character. And Soderbergh's boy. Yeah. And... Nope, he's gone. Yeah. Few few quick stabs and nope, no more Channing Tatum. Unfortunately, no screechy violins, but I guess you can't have everything. Right. And, and that scene is so well directed. I think I jumped. I legitimately jumped. Right. And I I talked to other people about this, too, because we all expected, like, she's cutting peppers right before this whole happens. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, crap, she's going to cut off, like, a finger or going to cut herself right in front of him. All of a sudden, she turns around and just stabs him multiple times. And (laughs) I don't even remember what the music was. Like, there was just a collective gasp in my screening, and we all just kind of like... No. <laughs> Even though we started at the movie with like blood everywhere, we knew that that was where it's going. But no, we don't want to. We didn't want to believe it. We felt so bad for her already. At that point in the film, you can tell she's having issues. She's apparent. This drug is apparently causing uh, her to sleepwalk, and who knows what she could do. And I was uh, going to that scene when I saw she had the knife. I just th- I thought to myself, she's going to stab him. She's going to stab him. But I was thinking to myself, you know what? In a normal movie, she would stab him, but he wouldn't die. That would just be a complication that then leads to other events. And she would feel really bad about it. And then this this would just continue this story of how the drug is having these unexpected consequences. And I think the surprising thing is that she doesn't just stab him once. She just keeps stabbing him, and you just realize, oh, no, he's gone. He's dead. And for some reason, he apparently doesn't have his phone on him to call 911. Or, like, had the sense to, like, run, man, run. But, you know, I guess that that was a big shock for just us audience members. Yeah, so that that was a really well-directed scene. it's, It's weird because this movie stylistically starts out feeling very much like a Soderbergh film. It feels very cold. It feels very detached. And then by the end, things have gotten so over the top and so ridiculous. Like, I can see why some people might not like the movie just based on how unbelievable it turns out to be. But I kind of like that. It it felt like this... It felt like a Brian De Palma over-the-top conspiracy thriller and i wasn't expecting that blowout right right yeah yeah 
Yeah. Do we even have a split screen? I thought we did. Maybe there was a scene of a split screen. Uh, I, Maybe I just want to pretend so. like it is because that would be too perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen side effects. Um, no, it definitely it plays a lot like that. Right. I, I, I haven't seen De Palma's latest film, the one with, what's her name? The other girl with the dragon tattoo, Numi Rapace and Rachel Has McAdams. Has anyone seen it? it? I mean, it played at Toronto and a few... It, film it played at New York Film Festival, but I heard that it was botched. Like, De Palma was there, a bunch of other people were there, and then they couldn't get it to start. Well, it, it did play at the Toronto International Film okay. Festival. But yeah, that movie is all... I haven't seen it, but that's another thriller involving two people who are in a lesbian relationship at one point. And so when Catherine Zeta-Jones and Rooney Mara turn out to be lovers in this movie, I was like... Are we sure Soderbergh directed this? This feels yeah. like De Palma. This feels, yeah. you know, like something he would do. But uh, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, do you have any do you have any other thoughts on side effects? Was there anything that really stuck out to you? I hope killer lesbians don't become like a new <laughs> trope or something. We were doing so well with progress, and then all of a sudden, it's like. Oh, they'd just be the new bad girls of cinema or something. I don't know. Soon, every movie we watch, we're just going to be thinking in the back of our minds, oh, I bet they're lesbians. Yeah. I bet that's the twist. Let me ask you, were you on Jude Law's side for most of the film? At the beginning, I thought he was getting a little obsessive, but that's what you're supposed to kind of think. It's just all of a sudden, it's like... I was like, whoa, whoa, patient, doctor, confidentiality, y'all crossing so many lines already. And then, like, I knew, I knew the moment that he, like, Rooney Mara, like, brought up the Victoria's Secret bag. I was like, oh, he's going to get framed for this. It just looks bad. And sure enough, that's what they blackmail him with. Yeah, I mean, there was a large portion of this movie where he's just obsessively going over all the documents. Uh, he's talking about, you know, the, the stock market, and he's like, you, well, you know, after 9-11, a lot of people made a lot of money, and in the back of your... And the oh, airplanes, and the airplanes. Right, and in the back of your mind, you're just thinking, okay, you're, 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 you've gone off the deep end. Calm it down, Zeitgeist. And, yeah. and, and I was thinking, this is going to turn into some movie about the Jude Law character just totally going insane because he's so obsessed with this. And he just won't let it go. I mean, yeah, like he even leaves his stepson to be like at school because he forgot to pick him up because he was so busy researching. Right. The great thing about the movie and the way it's directed is that because so much of so much time is spent with the Rooney Mara character, you know, by the time we get to that portion of the film, as an audience member, you're just kind of like, come on, Jude Law, really? Really, yeah. leave the poor girl alone. She she's clearly depressed. She has issues. Uh, she's feeling horrible about what she did. And mm-hmm. even the little things that he starts to notice, like oh, she had her seatbelt on when she supposedly mm-hmm. tried to kill herself. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, so what? She just absentmindedly. So she didn't yeah, think she about it. Yeah. Put it on. It's, you're you're really reaching here jude law and then when it finally turns out he's right i was just uh kind of couldn't believe it it, it is ridiculous but it's not acted ridiculous right. like say broken city everyone's playing like us like a pulpy character from a f- 
film noir. Right. He's got the over-the-top, like, loudmouth mayor. You got Mark Wahlberg being Mark Wahlberg. Also, Catherine Zeta-Jones being the femme fatale behind the scenes. Then you have the plucky sidekick with uh, Mark Wahlberg. So, like, that, I would say, is almost, like, played a little over the top. Whereas this one, every everyone's very subtle, it's very serious. Yeah, the plot is ridiculous, but you kind of believe it. Yeah, the plot is this very twisty, traditional genre thriller type of plot, and yet the aesthetic mm-hmm. of the film and the actors are, they're stylized in a way that it catches you off yeah. guard when the twists finally do start to happen. So mm-hmm. overall, I, I thought it was great. And, and, and the editing I noticed in the movie is just so precise, um, especially in the the the, fir- the opening parts of the film like i think there's a scene where Rooney Mara visits Jude Law for the first time and then later there's a scene where she has to be in her office for work and mm-hmm. so instead of jumping straight from one location to another because that would be awkward there's this really quick like 2 to 5 second shot of just Rooney Mara walking on a random street and it's just a kind of a medium close-up shot from behind her and it's just it feels like a really random shot because it's just sh- she's just walking we don't know where she's walking uh we, we we don't know what's going on and then it just cuts to the next scene and i was just thinking mm-hmm. okay so that was just a really quick establishing shot you know soderbergh letting the audience know hey i'm about to switch locations but he doesn't spend yeah. a lot of time on it it's just like just so you know, we're switching. Okay, you got it? Cool. We're going to go ahead and cut now. No, I mean, his editing's always been quicker paced. At least his later work works have. I haven't seen much of his earlier stuff. I mean, in, in terms of cinematography, there's nothing that really stands out like the uh, chase scene in Haywire, for example. Mm, this wasn't that kind of movie. Right. And there still are some very striking visuals particularly at the end when you've got Rooney Mara looking out from the window of the institution and she's behind these bars and it's like she's in this prison and then the camera you know it pulls back and and there's uh just the city skyline behind the institution Mm -hmm. almost like it's an extension of the same building and and Mm -hmm. so yeah some really really striking images but nothing that I think will make nothing that calls attention to itself I was also just thinking about in terms of, like, his body of work, because this is supposedly his last film. I mean, he said that he's going to retire for years, so uh, there's a part of me that really hopes this isn't, it's, that's not the case. Yeah, that's, yeah, I was going to say, this isn't the note to leave on. If for me, I don't mind if he left with Magic Mike. I thought Magic Mike was a stronger movie in terms of having the whole punches mm-hmm. all throughout this was very downbeat, like not a downbeat, but like very subtle. And then they had those thrill moments up and down. And visually, I think Magic Mike had more scenes that were much more memorable. Oh, sure. I think culturally speaking, when people think back on Steven Soderbergh, they're going to be more likely to remember Magic Mike than Side Effects. And yet at the same time, Side Effects is a solid movie, and it does feel in many ways like you know what if he was gonna go out on side effects it's not not a bad movie to go out on um it's not his best work but it's certainly not his worst no 
either. So I'm, I mean, I'm hoping he'll. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping it's like the share farewell tour. Where that lasted like a decade, <laughs> right? And well, and yeah, in, in ten years, it'll suddenly be like the new film by Steven Soderbergh, his first movie in ten yeah. years, and it'll make a ton of money and get a ton of buzz. Uh, may, maybe we'll see something like that. But from what I've read, it doesn't sound like he's going to stop making movies. It sounded to me, based on some of the language and the headlines I read, just that he's he's going to stop making movies. For the cinema, so like what? They're not going to get distribution deals. I mean, Soderbergh's, you know, always been a guy who kind of he he likes to go back to his independent, low budget roots. I was going to say he's a he's a hardcore yeah. digital, like aficionado. That right. I mean, he he likes to try new things. He he was one of the first filmmakers to try to shoot a film and distribute it exclusively online with Bubble, mm-hmm. um, and. From I don't believe that movie made a lot of money, probably because he he was like the first, <laughs> and people really didn't yeah. weren't used to that at the time. But I feel like he's the kind of guy that would feel the need to to just sort of keep trying to be creative and do strange things, you know, whatever he feels like doing, not necessarily mm-hmm. for. The big screen. We'll see. I, I mean, he's got an HBO movie coming out later this year, so maybe he'll just stick to TV work or smaller projects. I I don't know. Maybe we'll see. But but yeah, overall, I I liked side effects. I think if people don't take it too seriously, there's a lot to enjoy about it. Yeah, I, I had fun. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for our episode on side effects. Uh, be sure to tune in next week when we will be discussing A Good Day to Die Hard. I'm so uh, excited. You're not excited, Monica? John McClane is back. That means I have to go outside. I'm not too keen on that right to now. To a comfortable movie theater to watch things blow up. I mean, there are worse ways to spend an afternoon. I'm in New England. It's cold <laughs> right now. We had a blizzard. Well, I'm looking forward to A Good Day to Die Hard, and uh, we've actually, by the time this episode is released, we will have released a special bonus episode of Cinema Fix with a great panel of guests focused on the first four films in the Die Hard series. So if you're a fan of John McClane, definitely check out that episode of the show. We would love to get your feedback. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes, so if you like this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through our website or shop online using our affiliates. We really appreciate your help, and don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, and we actually have a brand new show that just launched this past weekend called Cage Side, which is focused on the uh, TV series Ultimate Fighter and UFC, MMA, that whole world, which I don't know a whole lot about, but we've got two great hosts, Kirk and Dave, hosting that. They're really they're film critics who also really really love mixed martial arts. So if you're if you're into that, check out Cage Side. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on Twitter at mcasty movies. That's M C A S T I movies. They can also find my work reposted 
on the Bofka Twitter at B-O-F-C-A and on their website at B-O-F-C-A dot com. They can also find you in the body of a 12-year-old boy going through puberty. Shut up. <laughs> You're such a mean person. I want to see you come on the show when you don't have a voice so then I can make fun of you for being a 12-year-old whose balls haven't dropped. They can also find you at home wrapped in a blanket with some tea, hopefully getting better. Hopefully. Not being poisoned by a doctor. Uh, I mean, if you have any lesbian lovers... Now would be the time to start planning. Get it all out in the open, Monica. It's time to come clean, okay? I don't have a husband, so that whole plan would just fall <laughs> apart. <laughs> all right. Well, you can find some of my, my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. All right, I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.